Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 114. It's now been one year, 15 weeks, and six days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. Hello again, finally from the next to top Zen place. And I tell you, it's just been like a crazy, crazy amount of challenges and hurdles and me having to be Zen to finally get here. I've either been plenty busy these last few weeks or the dang thunderstorms have been keeping me off the mountain. So let me tell you, it feels so great to be up here at last. I definitely miss my Zen when I'm so long away from the mountain. And Mark tells me he misses it when I miss it too. And to read for yourself an example of just how not Zen I can be, go to compulsiveovereendiary.com and check out my last blog post called how to go with the friggin' flow without flowing over. But before we move on and listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, and I share what I'm letting go of today, I have a couple of quick things. One, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Donnie for posting a five-star review on USA iTunes today. What a nice surprise. Smooch for you, Donnie. Also, thank you. The Amazon shoppers in the U.S. have been active again, and I so appreciate that support. You know, every time you use the show link to go to Amazon, it tells me you value the show enough to take that extra time. So I thank you, thank you, thank you. And speaking of support, it's really been a long while since I publicly thanked the coffee clatchers who not only give one-time financial gifts of virtual coffee, but who subscribe in order to donate to the show monthly. And I can't tell you just how much that ongoing support has meant to Mark and me, not only financially, but emotionally. It is an extra step that really touches our hearts and tells us that you believe in what we're doing. And we thank you so much. And even though it has been a while, please know I'm working on some special audio and writing and surprises to send to you the coffee clatchers on the special coffee clatcher email list. Now, also, before we cut into Josh, I just met two wonderful hikers here at the Next to Top Zen Place. Their names are Jesse and Nicole, and they're cute little dogs who made it all the way up the mountain. And this is not a small incline, let me tell you. So I'm going to take a quick break and insert their little interview for you right now. Well, Brave Companions, I have a special treat for you. Now, you know that Brave Companion Sandy went hiking with me before, and we sat on the podcast rock and talked about our show, but I've never yet actually had you meet some of the hikers that I run into on the Zen Place. Well, today I met Nicole and Jesse and their puppies on the way up, and here they are again, and they've agreed to say hi to you. So, hello, I'm Nicole. Hello, I'm Jesse. And I told them a little bit about our show and the Brave Companions, and they said it was pretty neat. Do you have any good wishes or anything you'd like to say to the people that listen? Oh, wow. Well, I think it's it's amazing to connect with other people. Oh, sorry. See, my... you got a live dog. Cool. You want to say something? She's, She's not sure about that <laughs> microphone. <laughs> I I complete. I really I've already fallen in love with the idea that you are finding other people and making relationships the center point because I think that's what we really believe. Yeah. That that's really what we're here for. We're here to be in relationships with others. Exactly. You know, you have to have a support system to get through. You know, through the, all the good stuff and the bad stuff. It's all about the relationships. Finding support. <laughs> okay. And one last question before you go. 
isn't the next to Upper Zen place a great spot? It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Fog's rolling in. It's great. It is. It's our first time up here. And yes, the fog in that it's cooler. And later, it's almost the afternoon, but it's cooler. And so we can actually hike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pug, you know, you can't be out in the hot weather. <laughs> I totally agree. And I don't have a pug, but I hate being in the hot weather. They've heard me complain and moan about having to hike up in the sun in SoCal. And it is a great non rainy day so thanks so much girls <laughs> thank you oh, good luck <laughs> thanks so much thanks. well brave companions wasn't that cool i love that we got their dogs in the show they're such cute little puppies and if little short dog legs like that can walk all the way up the mountain who's to stop us from reaching our dreams you know it's really inspiring to me, and I'm so grateful that they were willing to stop and talk to us. I think that's neat. So back to what today's show is going to be all about. You know, a lot of it today is going to be about our identities, our creative identities, how we think about ourselves, stories and fun. Well, here's some highlights. Last show, we welcomed new BC Shannon, heard BC Dave's list of things that add value to his life, and Donnie told a really funny joke for Foolish Fun. Today, a comment from Stephanie from Quebec weighs in on all of these. Then we have two wonderful and touching stories from two new BCs, Shay, who shares her thoughts via SpeakPipe, and M, who writes via the contact form and lyrically shares her thoughts on making peace with our bodies. Mark and I launch another new feature, Lori's Stories, a place where you, story writers and storytellers, can send your work in, either by reading it yourself or by sending it to me to read or for me to have one of my voice actor friends read it. Today, I'm going to open the feature with the story I wrote during last week's Wild and Wooly Writing Group, and it was inspired by this weird fad, Cards Against Humanity. Believe you me, you don't want to miss this one. And you'll never look at Bill Nye the Science Guy or Christopher Walken in quite the same way again. Then we'll wrap up the show with an important topic all about finding joy. And this was inspired by a comment conversation with BC Dave on one of my status reports. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh and I'll let you know what I'm going to let go of today. And we will have so much fun talking about creativity and identity. I'm very excited for today's show. Take it away, Josh. But I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go. Silent wind that never really blows. I'm letting go. Oh, Josh, I am so happy today to be sitting here in the next top Zen place, as Jesse and Nicole mentioned, in a nice, cool atmosphere that's not thundering, not stormy, and not hot as all heck. It's a really wonderful moment to be sitting here and catching up with all of you. Well, Lori, this is very nice, but what the heck are you letting go of today? Well, I kind of gave you a hint about that in the show open. You know, how many of you, raise your hand, how many of you wake up each and every day and one of the first thoughts in your head is, I'm fat, or how fat am I? And let me jump on the scale and confirm to myself how fat I am or be relieved that I'm not as fat as I thought. I have to say, for most of my life, the first 
thought that entered in my mind upon waking up was all about my body size, what I was going to eat, and everything that's wrapped up in that identity of being a fat chick. Being a fat chick also impacted my decisions not to pursue acting when I was young because I didn't want to play the fat friend roles or the weird things that they let fat people play in Hollywood way, 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 way back then in the olden days when we didn't have role models of anybody that could do anything but be made fun of. Okay, I didn't want to do that. And I knew there was no way in bloody hell that I was ever going to get my body type thin enough to play even the skinny friend, let alone the love interest. So body size has always impacted my life when I let it take over my thoughts. So brave companions, what I'm letting go of today is my identity as a fat chick. Does that mean, Lori, that you have absolutely gotten thin overnight? Has your intuitive eating melted the pounds right off your body? No, it has not. I probably weigh almost exactly what I weighed when I began intuitive eating because I'm still wearing the same clothing. And it's been, I think, almost a year since I've gotten on any scale except the doctor. And when I went to the doctor, I turned my back and asked them not to tell me. So I have no idea what my scale number is. And I think it's amazing that I have not been on a scale nor am I tempted to go on a scale for almost a year. Because just like being a compulsive eater, I was, as you know, a compulsive scale hopper. I had to let that scale tell me how I was doing because my main core identity was as a fat chick who wanted to not be a fat chick, who felt that being fat was shameful, horrible, and the root cause of everything bad going on with my life. Okay? So... Even though, as we've talked in other shows, we have a variety of attributes that define us. We could be mothers. I'm not one, but I know that for many mothers and fathers, the first thing they think of when they wake up is their kid, that I'm a mother or a father. But those of us who have had eating challenges, the next thing that often they think of is, oh my God, I'm fat or I'm scared of fat and what do I weigh? <laughs> I'm just telling you that this has been my experience. Now, this may or may not be true for you. But we also have attributes like I'm creative, I'm funny, I'm bitchy, I'm snarky, I'm wonderful, I'm patient, I'm zen, I'm athletic, I'm not athletic, I'm shy, I'm talkative. Whatever you got going for you, we are made up of a myriad of attributes and things that might describe us other than our size, other than our body, other than anything, right? We're not just one thing. I believe it was show 99 that I said that as a theme of that show. Don't describe yourself by one attribute. But I do believe that there are some core sets of whatever our attributes are that we prioritize as like the number one or two thing in our mind, right? Just like a to-do list, you might prioritize what has to get done today versus what's nice to do today, right? I think we prioritize for ourselves who we are which attribute is closest to defining us? Now, a lot of people who have a religious practice that is close to their heart may define themselves most by that. I'm a Christian. I'm a Muslim. I'm a Catholic. I'm you know, a Mormon. I'm a Buddhist. I'm whatever that might be, right? Oftentimes, 
that's the type of identity that will permeate through your thought process and your life. And I'm here to admit to you, brave companions, that my obsession with my body size and food and what I'm going to eat and everything that I said ad nauseum on and on and on in this show about my food issue was my main religion. No matter what church I might have attended, <laughs> my food was my main relationship, was my main religion. It was the thing that formed most of my thoughts, my actions, and my emotions for all these years until I began this show and I went to therapy and I started following intuitive eating and baby step by baby step by baby step I started looking at my life in ways other than as a fat chick I started looking at my life in how authentic am I with my friends and family how much do these people know the real me how brave am I? Am I doing things that I really like to do? Am I spending my time and money and attention in ways that resonate with my heart of hearts, that make my soul tell me, Lori, you're on the path for your intended stay here on this earth? Whatever you believe, I believe that we are here for some reason. I don't believe we're just a random bunch of goose spit out here to turn into a person and randomly interact with people and then someday go back to dust. Now our body's going back to dust, that's gonna to happen to us all. I don't think whatever you believe that's gonna change. We're gonna have that step of someday it's our turn to breathe our last in this particular body, it's gonna go back to the dust. But while we're here using our bodies, right? I think we're here to use our bodies to interact with the world and with each other as best we can to find out what is it that is unique about us? What have we got to offer to the world? What have we got to give? What have we got to make ourselves happy and to serve others and to feel when that time comes that we breathe our last, you know, I made a real difference even if it's with your family, even if it's with one other person. You know, that difference might be large or small. But I'll tell you, I don't think 50 years of being obsessed of whether or not I'm a fat chick really made much good difference to anybody. I know that it alienated many of my relationships because my focus on food, just like anybody who's addicted to anything, makes the food more important than your loved ones, than your friends, than your career, than anything, even your religious belief. When you get so deep into a compulsive mindset, it hurts the relationships to those activities or people that define the better parts of you, the parts you wish to aspire to, the parts that really make you happy in a deeply meaningful and joyful way. Well, that's pretty cool, Lori. I, I agree with that. It's nice to be meaningful. It's nice to have a good life where you're doing things. But, you know, in our society, people ding you but good for being fat. So how can you just give up your fat identity when, yes, indeed, you are fat? Well, I'm going to answer that very good question, BCs. The way that I'm giving up my identity as a fat chick is not to deny what I weigh or not to deny what my body size and shape is, but rather to change my priority. 
I noticed the other day when I woke up, the first thing I thought about wasn't how heavy I feel or how big I am or anything like that. It was, what am I going to do today to work on my voice acting? What exercises shall I do? What research shall I do? What are the things I need to do today to make myself a better voice actor, to make myself closer to my goal of being commercially viable and being able to do my first audition? What are those things? And then I thought, what can I do today to be a better partner with Mark? How can we strengthen our relationship? And then I thought about what friends might I send emails to? Or how should I touch base with Alan Standish? Or what are these things that I should do? Now, that particular day, voice acting was number one. But I realized as I went through my feeling of identity, when I went through the questions in my mind of who and what I was, I realized that fat chick didn't enter in. I no longer define myself by my body. My body is what it is, and it can go up in weight and down in weight, and it may. But that is not who I am. My body is the body that I'm using to live my life in. And depending on what I eat, and depending on how much exercise I have, and depending on lots of things, my age, my hormones, whatever's going on, my body is going to change. Gravity is going to let it sag a little bit more. Sad but true, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. I'm going to get a few more wrinkles. And if I ever quit dyeing my hair, you're going to see the beautiful silver mane that I'm now growing. You know, my eyebrows are more spiky if I don't wax them. I've got the cottage cheese thighs. I've got the little Buddha belly. I've got all these things that come from having extra weight on my body, but also come from being 56 instead of 26. I have a smiley face. I have some dimples. I have some lines on my face that show that I smile. I have some lines on my face that show that I frown. But I realize that everything on my body and with my body is what I've gotten through the travels with it through my entire lifetime. My body is not my enemy. My body is not who I am. My body is my partner in my travel. And who I am is a loving person who really does care about you, about my immediate circle, about my family, about my love, about my art, about my co-creators in writing and, and acting and painting and drawing and all of those things that I love. That's who I am, a loving and creative individual who just happens to be a fat chick. So brave companions, I hope you have fun letting go of something today and that you enjoyed thinking through what are the priority attributes that you have and what are the ones that you would like to have. companions I love when you comment on the show notes and I was especially happy that Stephanie from Quebec weighed in in almost everything mentioned on day 113. Stephanie writes dear everyone welcome brave Shannon I do feel just like you 
Sometimes we get so involved in our problem that it turns to obsession, and obsession always brings anxiety, which triggers binging. To tell you the truth, I don't have any solution to offer, just pure empathy and the soothing thought that you are not alone. I find that solutions for me come and go and work great for a while before they don't anymore. And you know what? That's okay. I hope you take care. And then she says, Dave, for my day to feel purposeful and meaningful, I need to do these six things each day. One, make or consume art, glass art, painting, reading, mindfully listening to music. Two, do one non-regular cleaning chore, that dirty fridge door, for example. Three, do one regular cleaning chore. Four, do one administrative chore. My mom calls that domestic engineering. Five, do one exercise. Six, fully prepare and cook one meal from scratch. Maybe chores aren't supposed to be on the list, but if I have done all of these things in a day, I will feel fulfilled. And obviously, you can add caring for relationships in there too. Then she says, Lori, I love the answer to the topic and love to hear you sing too. Then she goes to Donnie, hi, hi. Your jokes always make me laugh, and they're the best kind of jokes, the short ones that I can remember. XXX Stephanie. Thank you, Monami. And I replied to her, Hello, Monami. It's great to see you posting your wisdom and thoughts around here. I hope the sun is starting to shine for you a bit more. Hugs. Thanks for saying you like to hear me sing. That was one decision I have been regretting, putting that bad practice into that particular show. But it was how I sounded that day on the mountain, and singing that darn song has helped my breath support. Part of it is nerves. I still get nervous singing, and I am trying to learn to relax if I think someone else might hear me. I even sang for my voice acting coach, David, who is also a singing teacher, and I thought I was going to faint. Jeez. And he has proven over and over that he is not judgmental. But even so, I almost stopped breathing altogether. I'm working on it. Thanks, too, for sending in your secret topic. I always love answering them, and from the feedback I receive, your voice and your topics are very popular. XOXOXO. So, BCs, I also wanted to ponder for a moment right now on Stephanie's response to Dave's list. I think Dave's list was what he aspired to do to make his life better, and Stephanie's list included also the practical things that help her make her life better. What about you? What kind of list would you make to work on just a little bit every day? Post your thoughts on day 114 and let us know. P.S. Stephanie, I wish I had followed you and cleaned my house a little bit every day like we intended. I'm afraid Mark and my bad flu a few weeks ago knocked our good intentions out the window and we are back to having a big house cleaning project. <sighs> Today we have two wonderful stories from two of our newest BCs, Shay and M. First up, let's hear from Shay. Shay is unique because her first contact was sending me her wonderful thoughts via SpeakPipe. Wow, she's on the bravery report for sure. And her story proves that Shay is very eloquent, poetic, and has much value. Let's hear some of Brave Shay's thoughts about redefining who she is by some qualities other than her size. Lori and the Braves. Hello, Shay here. 
so much to say. First, decades of being criticized for my weight during my childhood makes me still buy the myth that the size of my body is how the world values me. Mm. Even though I'm an adult, these messages are deep and echo in my head all the time. Let's untangle the identity. I am not fat. I have fat. I am smart, snarky, independent, silly, and lots of other things. But I'm not fat. Second, somewhere I learned to self-soothe by eating. What started as an adaptation in childhood to get my needs met morphed into a maladaptive behavior as an adult. Also, I have something like social anxiety. Also, sounds like what you describe about being around people. I have that. Anyway... You inspire us, Braves, Lori, and we all relate to your struggles, so keep doing it. You have to. Bravo, Shay. I support you 100% in giving up the, quote, I am fat, unquote, label. As I pondered during the episode on day 99, we are not one attribute, i.e. fat. Our amount of fat varies from day to day, but our characters and our hearts are pretty constant and what really matter for happiness. As I said prior to playing your call, I find you so very eloquent and touching. It was an honor to play your call on today's show. Hey, BCs, want to give a shout out to Shay? Call the Bravery Hotline, use SpeakPipe yourself, or post your welcome on the show notes page for day 114 on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. Now, let's give a big BC welcome to M, who's also on the Bravery Report. M first reached out via the contact form and gave permission to share her story. Here is part of M's lyrical comment on how she's learned to love and appreciate a body part I too struggled with. Hey, Thunder Thighs, I was as skinny as a rail as a kid. Who had time to eat or sit around watching the telly when there was so much play to be had, free for the taking? Not me. I scarcely even thought about food. It was fuel, somehow served up at regular intervals and then scarfed down so there'd be more time for living. Even hard work was play when I decided to make it so. Then with a little bit of living and a little bit of growing, it was time to change, during which time my thighs had somehow turned into the spit and image of my older sisters. I'd always looked up to my sister, but then I looked down at my thighs. Yeah, you thunder thighs. For a long time, I thought the same things about my thunder thighs, that they were somehow unacceptable, unattractive, just butt thunder thigh ugly. But over the years, I've come to an understanding on the outside, they only look like thunder thighs to others because of what others think on the inside. We're conditioned to think in ways that are contrary to our natural ways. No child would ever think there was something bad about my thighs. In fact, my little loves used to clutch onto them to gain a sense of comfort and connection. They loved my thighs as they loved me. Oh, they might have said true things like, why are your legs so big? Or why do your legs look like cottage cheese? purely out of curiosity, but never from judgment. They just noticed and wondered and then returned to living out loud. Their thoughts weren't conditioned to be negative. They taught me very well, much as children still do. Now, even as my thighs are more thunderous than ever before, I see them as parts of my beautiful body, 
pieces of my wholeness that have hopped, skipped, and jumped, and rested too, literally transporting me along this life of mine. They've also stood my ground with me, scaled mountains that seemed insurmountable, and made a run for it many a time. I am in awe of their thunderous power, my good old thighs, and my appreciation of them borders on worship. I believe in their natural-born brilliant beauty, believe the body beautiful, our basic nature, who we are when we're born, is brilliance and beauty. We're just conditioned to cover it up with all the crap and negative thoughts that we believe about ourselves. Do you ever notice children, before they learn to look at themselves and begin to speak in negative ways, they're pure goodness, and so is everyone else through their eyes. It's easy, but hard too, to return to this natural state. After believing my thighs to be just what other people saw them to be, calling them negative names too, I decided to stop. I wanted peace, and so did my thighs. The hard part is the practice. Did you notice the present tense? The thoughts still come, but I don't believe them anymore. Each time I think an unkind thought about myself or others, I notice it, sometimes able to stop at mid-thought, other times allowing it to pass. They come and then they go. I don't believe them. Like regular to the coffee house, they're easily recognized, quite familiar, perhaps a little chatty, but they're not a real presence in my life. I believe in beauty. Thunderclaps of comfort. I have such compassion for my body. My body that works and plays hard, that hurts and then heals, that keeps on keeping on despite my muddled mind's myriad unkind messages. Each time those thoughts come, I practice comforting my body and mind with heart, just like I would comfort anyone else who'd been called a name or treated unkindly or is hurt. I choose to love and comfort my body and my mind through my heart, the mediator that makes such beautiful sense of the madness our conditioned thoughts attempt to create. Love from a compassionate heart comforts no matter what the mind thinks. I stretch and exercise my thighs. I rub them with lotion when their skin is dry. I love and care for them. Like the rest of me, my thighs are still changing, aging. They have flabbier skin covering even more fat and growing webs of spidery veins. They're not as strong as they once were. Yet I comfort and care for them and appreciate them more than ever before. After years of mentally abusing them and the rest of me, I am free. I am free to love all of me as I am now. Compassion, comfort, and care are here now. Awareness, acceptance, and appreciation are too. Love is our natural state, and it's a state in which I intend to live happily for the rest of my days, each moment in space and time. Yes, the negative mind thoughts knock. In fact, they are welcomed. But the heart opens the door, and we're greeted by love right now. Life's a brilliantly beautiful coexistence of body, mind, and love. So, how do you welcome and greet the unkind mind thoughts about your body? In what ways does love make peace between them? Well, aren't those wonderful questions, PCs? Wow, I was blown away by that. So thank you so much, Emma, for writing this great piece. 
And BCs, what's your take on how to deal with unkind thoughts that you have about your body? Please share and post on day 114 or send audio to share your ideas with us. And while you're calling or posting, please say hello to M. By the way, M spells her name with a lowercase e and then an uppercase M. And I just loved that piece of writing and I loved having the chance to try to give it justice with my reading. And I really, really enjoyed both of these touching, heartfelt stories from Shay and M. So welcome, BCs. Welcome to our companionship. I love it. Okay, I am so excited about this next feature, BCs, and I hope, hope, hope it calls to all of your creative writer hearts out there. Just like I love to hear music from Fiona and Suzanne and from the other musical folk out there in BC land, I know there are many of you who are aspiring or are already talented writers. I know because of the quality of your written comments and or because you share with me that you want to write stories. For Mark and me, our writing group has been so freeing and so much fun. It's just like improv for writing. To review how our writing group works. One, we meet at a restaurant. Two, we decide on some kind of wacky writing prompt. Three, we immediately write longhand in notebooks for 30 to 40 minutes, incorporating our writing prompts as best as we can. Four, we read what we wrote aloud. That's it. There's no time to edit, fret, ponder or stew ourselves into inaction. We just go. And sometimes we get great stories. Other times, uh, not so great. Sometimes we get starts to longer form fiction that we decide to work on. Because we don't wait to write, we have many, many stories in our bodies of work. And it is not stressful to face an empty page or crazy. So I'm thinking that BCs, if you would like to try it and find a writing prompt, you can use story cubes, put pieces of paper with objects and verbs in a hat and draw a few, use a fortune cookie, use Google, and use the I feel lucky search thing. Anything that will randomly give you a story idea. Then set your timer for 40 minutes and just start writing. No going back, no editing, just write. You can only go forward 40 minutes, just write. Then afterwards, if you really want to, you can edit a little bit if you like. Once you've got some of these great stories, please call the Bravery Hotline or use SpeakPipe to read your story to us. Or if that isn't fun for you, email me your story and I'll either read it myself for practice or have one of my voice acting friends take a crack at it for their practice. It's fun. It really is fun. And Lori's Stories is not about perfection. It's about having fun with writing. And for me and possibly you, voice acting and narration. And some of you might really, really find that you love to read expressively as well. Why do I keep making all of these features not about compulsive eating? Because as Shay so eloquently shared today in her speak pipe message and M wrote about, and I told you in the opening what I'm thinking about, we are more than fat, more than a food issue. We deserve to develop ourselves in creative ways and have fun sharing our creative selves with one another. So with no further ado, Mr. Mark, Please intro our new feature, Lori's Stories. Hello and welcome. Sit down. 
relax, and get ready to listen. It's time for Lori's Stories, where brave companions share what they've been writing. To give you some background on today's story, it's one I wrote for the writing group that Mark and I attend, where we get a prompt, write for 30 or 40 minutes, and then read our creations aloud. Well, this week, once I was done, all that heard it in the group insisted I record it for you for the show. It is certainly not the story I ever thought of writing, but came from one of the most unusual writing prompts ever. Now, as I've explained in the past, I am not the most meme-aware or the latest big thing-aware, and most cultural references pass me by. But Arliss, an intelligent and talented member of our group, brought in a big thing for us to try, a strange and snarky social game called Cards Against Humanity. It is certainly different. I shall now quote from the game creator's own website. Cards Against Humanity is a party game for horrible people. Unlike most of the party games you've played before, Cards Against Humanity is as despicable and awkward as you and your friends. The game is simple. Each round, one player asks a question from a black card, and everyone else answers with their funniest white card. Now, back to my own opinion. And some of the cards have racist, sexist, anti-everything, horrible bathroom humor mixed in with random silliness. And being well on my way to being a certified old poop candidate, I was horrified. Well, I did my best to choose the least offensive answers possible, totally screwing the intent of this extremely popular game. But I have to admit, we did have some funny results. We decided after playing some rounds that we would pick from the questions and answers we won to write our stories. I ended up with the following three questions and answers to pick from to create my story. Number one, studies show that lab rats navigate mazes 50% faster being exposed to stormtroopers. Number two, when I am a billionaire, I shall erect a 50-foot statue to commemorate Bill Nye the Science Guy. And for those not familiar, Bill Nye the Science Guy is a nerdy TV personality in the U.S. who has made science fun for kids for years. Three, what do old people smell like? Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is a U.S. actor, and I'll quote from his mini-bio in the IMDB, or the Internet Movie Database. Nervous-looking lead and supporting actor of the American stage and films with sandy-colored hair, pale complexion, and a somewhat nervous disposition. He won an Oscar as Best Supporting Actor for his performance in The Deer Hunter, 1978, and has been seen in mostly supporting roles, often portraying psychologically unstable characters, though that generalization would not do justice to Walken's depth and breadth of performances. So, with this multitude of material from which to work, And with apologies to Mr. Walken and Bill Nye the Science Guy, here is today's story unedited from the original I wrote in my notebook. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful princess who was madly in love with Bill Nye the Science Guy. But her father, the king, insisted she marry a crotchety old geezer who smelled just like Christopher Walken. 
Still in her night shift on the day of her wedding, she snuck out of her chamber and scurried through the long and chilly corridors of the palace until she turned left six times, right five times, and came at last to her heart's desire, the palace lab. Therein, Bill Nye the Science Guy was very busy repressing his grief over his soon-to-be-lost love, the princess, by running graduated time trials with his favorite white rats, Horace and Greeley, in a state-of-the-art maze. Darling, the princess gushed and ran straight to Bill Nye the Science Guy, wrapping her arms around his white lab coat in bliss. One moment, Princess Bill Nye the Science Guy held her back with one hand while clicking the button of a precision-quality Swiss-made stopwatch with the other, while Horace and Greeley scampered like, well, rats through the maze. Hmm, 20 seconds flat. They're becoming more aerodynamic, Bill Nye the Science Guy pondered, brow-furrowed, looking stern yet thoughtful. Oh, darling, the princess swooned. She loved when Bill Nye the Science Guy talked all sciency like that. Now, Princess, Bill Nye the Science Guy turned his horn-rimmed attention her way. Shouldn't you be uh, getting ready for the uh, chapel? Let's run away, darling. You know I'll never love another. Bill Nye the Science Guy patted her head awkwardly. Sir Snevely isn't so bad, Princess. He smells like Christopher Walken. The princess gulped and burst into tears. Four out of five people surveyed say Christopher Walken smells pretty good. Bill Nye the science guy tried to comfort her. Just then, one million stormtroopers burst into the lab surrounding the odd couple with sharpened lances. Princess, by order of the king, you must come forthwith. I won't, the princess stamped her foot. Hold on, hold on, Bill Nye the Science Guy exclaimed, and all turned his way expectantly. I do believe Horace and Greeley just went 50% faster through the maze. No, gasped the stormtroopers. Let me double check, said Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yes, the stopwatch confirms it. Darling, exclaimed the princess admiringly. What's going on here, thundered the king, who majestically swept into the lab. I've solved the rat conundrum, said Bill Nye the science guy. That's right, sire, he did, agreed the stormtroopers. In that case, I shall erect a 50-foot statue in your honor, said the king. My thanks, your highness, said Bill Nye the science guy, bowing deeply. But do you think I might marry your daughter instead? Oh, please, Daddy. Please, please, please. Oh, very well, said the king. I didn't want to spend the rest of my days smelling old snubbly anyway. Writers and storytellers, if you'd like to share your story, just call the Bravery Hotline. You speak pipe or email Lori your story to be read on the air. Just mention this is for Lori's stories and she'll do the rest. Well, BCs, I hope you enjoyed today's story and are inspired to send me one of your stories in the very near future. Remember, it's not perfection, it's fun. Just give it a try. At least give it a try. It really is fun. I promise you. <laughs> to wrap 
up today's show, Dave gives me a topic idea I want to explore from something he posted on my status report on May 15th of this year. Now, some background. On most or many days where I don't publish full blog posts or shows, I will post brief takes on what's going on with me. Many thoughts, as it were. I don't send notices via email as I don't want to clog up subscribers' inboxes, but if you're curious about what's going on with me, you can all... You can stop by CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com most days and find out, and put your two cents worth in, too. Statuses are also where you can just post away, regardless of blog or show topic. In May 15th, I posted a status featuring a rare photo of Gracie the cat and me. She's Tiger's mama, extremely shy, and she's the cat who gets the milky song every morning so I can pet her. She's learned that I will put her back down at the end of the milky song so she can relax and let me pet her during its duration. Funny that, sometimes we need to know things have an end to enjoy that moment. Anyway, on that particular day in May, I reported this. Subhead yesterday. Despite driving Red Baby to Burbank in the thunderstorm, I had a great session with my voice acting coach, David Babbage. I'm starting to feel some real progress in my ability. We also worked in the booth, and from the recordings, I can hear the improvement in the vocal quality itself, let alone the acting, which has also improved. I'm excited to keep on working. Quote, and Red Baby is fine and well from being parked in the mountain and from being driven all week in inclement weather. Also glad to say the convertible top does not leak. Not too many chances to try that out in Southern California. Subhead today. Went for a walk down to the park in my hiking boots as the weather is still wonky and there is mud from yesterday's storm. Getting ready to do my singing practice and then some laundry. Going away for a weekend of voice acting study. It should be fun and I think Mark will enjoy some alone time after all of the activities lately. And then BC Dave posted this on that particular status report. Gracie is beautiful. Way to move boldly in the directions of your goals. That qualifies for the bravery report. We need to work out in the garden and get home stuff done. I myself need to get started moving toward my goals. Although I did pick up a book on investing from the library, I really want to learn to draw well. Damn you perfectionist alien robots. But there is some kind of unexplainable fear holding me back. Maybe my problem is I want to do too much and therefore have decision constipation. I think I will spend some time this weekend deciding what goals to set. I replied, hey Dave, just on my way out to go study, here's a tip. I know I am not even close to being the best voice actor going to class this weekend. I have feelings similar to what you describe around your art. What I have to do every moment when I go to the mic is to let myself just experience where I am. Sometimes it's better than I expected. Sometimes not as well as I hoped. Sometimes it's right in the pocket. I don't know how to really communicate the difference. It's more than process focused. It's part of being in the moment and letting whatever happens be okay as part of learning. It's enjoying the attempt, enjoying the attention to what you are building in your skill by this practice. Each time I go to the mic or each time you draw, we create a moment closer to our creative goals. And if we actually like the process, we allow ourselves the joy. 
Perfectionism kills joy like none other thing, since we can never, ever be good enough in our minds. We can always do better. And even if we did achieve perfection in one moment, what then? I try to focus on the joy, building joy. And if I don't feel much joy in my pursuit, that's when I truly consider giving it up. More on this topic next show, I think. Anyway, I don't think you're close to giving up art. So I'm sending you some virtual Zen joy power to employ while I'm off doing my best this weekend and forgiving myself for not doing my best this weekend and marveling at my bravery this weekend. XOXOXO. And I thank you, Dave, for writing this because it's really been on my mind. The pursuit of joy, the focus of joy, and our creative goals versus our food goals, right? As this whole show has really been resonating with me, our creative hearts, our creative spirits, what's going on, how much joy are you actually feeling? And I'm not talking about like the giggly type of joy from going on the roller coaster or that kind of thing, but that joy that gives you the deep sense of happiness. Sometimes it can be giggly, but it's also peaceful. And I want to tell you just something happened this last week that really hit home for me. Now, I can't remember if I told you guys or not, but I have submitted a couple of seminars to a couple of different places. One was to the big podcaster convention in Las Vegas, and that one, I made it through the first cut and the second cut, I believe, and eventually they decided not to go with my seminar proposal, and I didn't feel too badly about it because even though I think that we are a good podcast here. I don't think we follow the traditional rules of podcasting and I'm not a big name podcaster. I know you guys all love me and like me and stuff, but in the world of podcasting, I'm not really this huge name. So I felt like, well, okay, that's the way it is. And I didn't have my feelings hurt too much by that. And I was thinking and talking to Alan, you know, I really should submit my proposal to the National Eating Disorder Association because they're going to have a conference here in San Diego, which is near my home. And, you know, really what I've done with Compulsive Overeating Diary and what we've all discussed this year, this would be a perfect topic for their conference. I think this is a better fit. I'm a really good teacher. I have, you know, this great worldwide audience. For sure, this would be a slam dunk. Well, on this one, BCs, I didn't even make the first cut. I got the equivalent of the writer's form rejection letter saying that they had 140 submissions similar to my workshop or in the same category. And I waited for my heart to fall out of my chest and for me to be super disappointed that my speaking gig workshop was rejected. And instead, BCs, I felt this sense of lightness and relief. Oh my goodness, what the heck is that? Why am I, a natural born teacher and speaker, feeling relief that I don't get to give my workshop or that my proposal wasn't accepted? And I realized that my days of wanting and liking to put together formal teaching things are over. That doesn't bring me joy. It's one of the ways that I would prove to others in my social mask, my competence, because I am good. I'm a very, very good teacher. My classes are well thought out, funny, well received, and people love them. And I'm good at them. 
but I realize that the teaching part isn't what makes my soul shine. The part that I love is the storytelling. And a lot of teaching is good storytelling. The story just has to have a point, right? An observable objective that you, the learner, can learn from. Well, like this show, there is plenty of teaching that goes on. None of it is actually directional teaching or very little of it. I don't come up with exercises every time for you to do to be like me. I just say, well, this is what I'm thinking about and you take from it what you will. That is the kind of thing I love. I love to communicate. I love to tell stories. I love to find more ways to use my vocal ability. I love using my voice to tell stories. That is the part I love. This was huge for me because I realized that my true joy is storytelling, not teaching. A minor difference maybe, but should I put my time and energy into creating proposals for conferences as a teacher? Should I do that just because I can? And I have to say, just like I gave up being a database developer, even though I was good at that, and I gave it up to realize I don't want to be a database developer, it is shocking to me to realize that at this point, I really don't want to be a formal teacher. Now, the type of speaking where I would go and tell stories and hear your stories, I think I would love that. But that's probably more about building up the podcast, building up my experience as a voice actor, maybe finally writing that gosh darn book I've been (laughs) thinking about all this time about the voices in my head and making the audio version of that. Maybe as a storyteller, if I devote more of my time into developing my story telling ability, the doors will open and I will find those opportunities where I can do the most good in the world and still fill my own heart with joy. So until next time, brave companions, fill your hearts with joy. Find what you love, find your creative identity and let me know what that is. And if you're super brave, Please, please, please send a story or call and read your story for Lori's stories because that would be just grand. My heart is bursting at the very thought of it. So until next time, smooches for you. Take care because I really, 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 really care. Slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. Stop.